Well, good morning. Let's open in prayer, please. Lord and Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity to commune with you, with our fellow Christians in your grace. You have showed us what true love is by sending your only son to be a love sacrifice for us. Help us to show this type of love to our neighbors as well, and even our enemies. Please bless our time together and open our hearts to the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, some of you may have known I was in um, Sao Paulo, Brazil uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I gave a talk, and I thought about maybe it's a 30-minute talk, so I figure why not give it here, but the only problem is it really doesn't cover love. Um, it was more about older adult muscle loss, and it really doesn't really apply uh, too much to, to this group today. But what I want to do is sort of reframe that talk um, in the same way I did, I did it there. Um, so could our love for God and our love for our neighbor, could this be one of the most important commands that was instituted by God? So if we take it in that context, um, you know, growing up, I grew up in a similar community like, like Story City, but in our church community, we were always helping out our friends and neighbors when they were in times of need. Um, and we also um, would receive things in, re in return for that. I remember one time we moved onto our farm. We probably had 10 to 15 church members that came out with their trailers, and we moved everything in one day. Um, sometimes it's a little bit hard, though, to accept, you know, help from other people. Um, it's a lot easier sometimes to give than it is to receive sometimes uh, because of our pride. Pat and I were lucky to have um, great neighbors for, for 20 years in, in Tim and Gail Nordholm. Um, a lot of times Tim and I would help each other with different remodeling projects. I would get a call and can you come and, you know, help me lift this up or put drywall up. And the worst thing I did, you know, come over to help me rip my roof. Well, there was three layers of shingles on there with, with, with wood shakes, so that was one of the dirtiest jobs I ever had. But um, So we helped each other. We watched each other's house when we were gone, and, and we never asked too much in return. You know, sometimes we'd have a, a glass of wine together or something like that. But you get tired of hearing all the anger and hatred on the news these days. You know, politicians seem to have nothing good to say to each other, and the celebrities seem to be involved with that as well. And with social media, a lot of times, you know, it makes it even worse. It's a lot of times easy to hide behind that, that screen and, and type out some anger towards other people and put people down. It seems like civilities towards others seems to be, seems to be lost. I was presently surprised, though, um, when I saw this, that Chris Pratt had given a, a was it award, award at the MTV, MTV Music Awards, um, this sort of a younger audience, and he, had, he gave th three of nine parts he gave in his speech were um, about his faith. It's so unusual for a guy like this to, in that type of audience, to talk about his faith. But number six, he said, God is real. God loves you. God wants to be the best for you. Believe that. I do. And on number eight, he said, learn to pray. It's easy and it's good for your soul. And the last one really touched me. Um, he talked about grace. And um, he says, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect, perfect, but just the way you are, you're not. You're imperfect. You always will be. 
but through, there's a powerful force that is designed that designed you that way, and He's willing to accept you. You will have grace. Grace is a gift, and like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for by somebody else's blood. Don't forget it. Don't take it for granted. Then in the last the last one, it wasn't part of the one that, that the author of the, of the news article I read said was religious, but I think this has religious undertones as well. When I read this, I sort, of, I sort of thought about Jesus when he was on the Sermon on the Mount and he was talking about the Beatitudes. Uh, Chris Pradgers here is talking about bullying. Um, to a younger audience, what seems to have it quite a bit, he says, don't be a turd. If you're strong, be a protector. If you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons. Do not weld them against the weak. That makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. In the Bible, there's two types of love that that is used in the Greek in the Bible. It's the philio and agape. However, in the Greek language, there's there's other types of love as well that are are not so much used in the Bible, but they're expressed in the Bible in a way that we understand them. Eros and storge. Storge is affectionate love. It's the type of love that one might have for a family or spouse member. And story love can be found in stories that we read in, in, in Noah, uh, Jacob. And we see that in the siblings of uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They had this type of love. Eros is a passion or, or sexual love. It's important within a marriage relationship. And is created, it was created by God for us. It can be also abused or mistaken uh, for storge love. The Bible is clear that sexual immorality or out-of-control eros is a sin. As we read in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality, for every sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexuality immoral person sins against his own body. Filio, which is in the Bible, it refers to brotherly love. It is most often exhibited in close friendship. Um, and I guess one of the better examples of this is the love that David and Jonathan had for, uh, between them um, in the Bible. Uh, we read in 1 Samuel, it says that after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Today we're going to talk about agape love. Um, it's one of the most powerful loves there is, and it's sacrificial love. It's more than just a feeling. It can be an act or a will. It's a love that God had for his people. Because we know from that love, God sent his son for us, for our sins. It's Jesus was agape love personified. Christians are to love one another with agape love. Commitment and devotion can be demanded, or it's a duty for us as Christians to have this type of love for, for one another. God commands agape love towards everyone, um, even our enemies, which sometimes is hard to do when somebody is being very hateful towards us or having that kind of language that makes you want to, you know, just leave and and, uh, not be around that person. But in Luke 6, 28, it says, Blessed are those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In Matthew 5, 44. Then in Romans 12, we read, The love of God transcends our anger and hatred. It allows us to forgive those we otherwise would be unable to forgive. It's because of God's love we're able to forgive those who hate us. Without that, we wouldn't be able to to do that. 
If you want to open your pew Bibles, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the Good Samaritan story from Luke um, today. Um, it's our gospel lesson for today. And if we look at verses 25 to 28, it's, it's a similar story that we see not only in Luke, but we also see it in Matthew and Mark. Um, if you had come to uh, Pastor Hunt and I's um, Bible study on John, a lot of times we talked about these Jews that would come constantly and attack Jesus. Um, and Jews in the Bible, a lot of times in this context, were not very kind. They weren't people that were out to help Jesus or help him with his ministry. They were usually people that wanted to trick him or cause him to sin and um, find a reason why they could put him to death. Um, so the experts of the law, primarily here, we're, we're talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, they put him to the test. In the first quotation um, that Jesus talks about, it's from the Shema. It's, most Jewish people would understand what this was all about. Um, so this was part of the test, whether Jesus would know this. And of course, Jesus knows that, that part of that is love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. It was a Jewish confession. It was something that, that most Jewish people should know. And Jesus added in the Gospel of Mark, love the neighbor as yourself. So in response to this question um, from this leader, so who is my neighbor? Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. It was Jesus' way of showing this leader what it was to actually love somebody and what it, what it means to be a, be a true neighbor. So in this story, we have three people that could have helped this robber. We have the priest and the Levite and the, and the Good Samaritan, or as we're going to call them here. Um, you might expect the, the priest and the Levite to help out. You expect these religious people, there's somebody on the road that needs help. You would expect them to help them out, but they didn't. I think it's Jesus' way of showing the crowd that a lot of times the people coming and testing Jesus weren't very nice people and their, their motives weren't, weren't very sound in, in, in Jesus' best interest. The Samaritan that Jesus condemned was neither a religious leader or some kind of later associate, but he was a, a foreigner. So the good neighbor showed mercy by his action. And that good Samaritan was the good neighbor that Jesus was talking about. And it was pretty clear from Jesus' good Samaritan story who he was pointing to. So I think the key point here for us Christians is that Christians are to love one another with this agape love. And this is the type of love that was talked about in the good Samaritan story. It was Jesus' example um, to, to the people listening to him. It's an outgrowth of love for God. So the lesson of uh, part of this series is from, uh, from Ephesians. It's called to live in love. And there's some lessons we can learn from Ephesians here in, chap in chapter 4, verses um, 25 to chapter 5, verse 2, and then also 8 through 10 are pretty important for us Christians and how we should treat our neighbors um, as well. So in this context of this particular um, passage, a neighbor equals our fellow Christians. I believe Paul was writing to the people of Ephesians who were probably having some discourse between fellow Christians. They were probably arguing with each other. And Paul was trying to show them a good example of how to be a Christian. 
on how we should speak to our neighbors it sort of comes out with this as well. So in Paul's response, he says we should put off our falsehood and speak truthfully with our neighbor. Um, from our psalm lesson, five, uh, 15 verse 2, the one who walks blameless, the, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from the heart, is our neighbor. Do not lie to each other, since we have taken off our old self with its practices, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. That's from Colossians 3, 9 to, 13, uh, 9 to 10. Then from Zechariah, from the Old Testament, this is just not a... Being a good neighbor, just not in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament as well. Many times God talks about this. But these are the things we ought to do. Speak the truth to each other. And render true and sound judgment in your course. Do not plot evil against each other. And do not love or swear falsely. I hate this. Describes the Lord. Zechariah chapter 8. And as Kurt had mentioned last week, um, we're all one body. As a Christian community, we are all one body together. So we're all to act together and help each other. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to each other. Romans 12, verse 5. According to Paul in our Ephesians lessons today, what distinguishes a, a Christian from an unbeliever or, some kind, or a pagan in that time? As Christians... We should, we should not lose our emotions to anger in our conversations. These, their emotions should be purified. Do not let anger last a day. This can be very hard for us to do. Uh, when we get angry with somebody or somebody's angry with us, it's something we want to we stew on. We want to stew on for a long time. Number two, personal sin usually is due to our evil desires rather than by a direct tempting by the devil. However, the devil can use our sin against us in anger, especially in anger, to do more evil against others, such as division that happens amongst Christians. We can let that anger eat with us, and we forget that we are Christians by God's love. It's not enough as Christians to cease from sin. We must also do good. For the former thief must do work and help others in, in need. Number four. A Christian not only stops saying unwholesome things, he must also begin to say what will build others up. I found out in my own work environment that just sometimes criticizing someone's work all the time doesn't really build someone else up. By, but by thanking them when they do good work, it seems to motivate them to, to do good work and to, do, and to accomplish their task um, as I see that it should be. And it helps build them up and they feel, feel better and um, it's important. Number five, our sin causes the Holy Spirit to grieve. This is sort of a new concept for me, a grieving of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit grieves when we sin. He is hurt. As a Christian life that imitates Jesus, we, we, we will not cause the Spirit to grieve as Christians if we don't sin. As Christians, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit for redemption. That's what the work of the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit is. And when, when he has to grieve, um, this is, is not a, a priority. Number six, bitterness, rage, and slander grieve the Holy Spirit, but this continued instruction on, on, one, on one speech. The way we talk about others and our actions show love, and, love or hate for our neighbors. Number seven, kind and compassionate are opposite of bitter 
bitterness and showing rage. This is how us as Christians should act. I think and more importantly here in number eight is forgiving. We as Christians should forgive. It's a basic Christian attitude, which is a result of being forgiven by Christ. Forgiveness brings to others what we have received in Christ. And number nine, it talks about here in Ephesians about being imitators of Christ. It's one way that being an imitator of God is to have a forgiving spirit. We are to act as, as he did, the sacrificial way. Jesus expressed his love for us as the only means of salvation. It's also an example of the way we should live our, our salvation um, of others. We are to live a, lo- a life of love just as Christ loved. In Ephesians 8 through 10, um, it talks about living um, in the light. Those who belong to Christ in Christ, we live in light. And we see in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we, we heard from him and declare it to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. In John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever lives, follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's from John 8, 12. And that light that we get from Jesus illuminates our path. It shows us the way we are to go. You are the light of the world. The town built cannot be hidden. Matthew 5, 14. And God's light should be productive. We shouldn't hide that light. I mean, there's a song that we sing as children um, about the gospel light, but it's, it's the fruit of the light. And God's light is, should be very productive. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. So Christ's followers are commanded to love one another. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. Know about your love for one another. We do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. That's from Thessalonians. Jesus said that loving one another is, is not an option for a believer. It is a commandment. For however, his commandments come with an example of how to be fulfilled. Love is a sign that we are Christians. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves everyone has been born of him. But this we know, that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commands. That's from 1 John. And from John 13, 35, By his people we know that we are disciples, if you have love for one another. It has been and continues to be my experience that feeling love exists wherever a group of Christians gather. It can be another way for people to be filled with God's love. So in closing, in the New Testament, the Greek words we, we translate love have been nuances that help us understand them a bit better. However, God has left us no wonder that he views as love. He was given as clear an example as his son. The great example of love is Jesus Christ, coming to earth in human flesh to die on the cross for our sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's something that we all know uh, from our Christian upbringing. It is the love that we as Christians hope to share with a sinful, lost, and hurtful world. Thank you.